Good morning, and welcome to this week's program. Our guest is Karen Jung of Next Tech Evansville, which is preparing kids for careers in computer science. I'm so excited to be here. I have to admit, this is my first Rotary experience. And uh, I could tell within the first five minutes, if it took even that long, what an amazing community this is. So I'm delighted to be able to be here with you today and share a little bit of information. So we'll start with the state of computer science. So I'm going to tell you more about Next Tech a little bit, but I will say that we launched in 2015. And sometimes I like to do this as a quiz, but I'm going to give you the answer already. At that time in 2015, just 19% of Indiana high schools actually offered computer science. And that number is fairly low, and uh, a lot of people find it fairly staggering that at uh, less than 10 years ago, we were looking at that such a low number. It gradually grew over time until we got to 2018, and we're at about 45%. At that time, Governor Holcomb led legislation which required all Indiana public high schools to offer computer science by the 2021-22 school year. And with that legislation and when that went into place, we saw that the numbers did continue to climb until we got to a 91%. Just to give you some perspective on where that puts Indiana, we're the number one uh, in, in the Midwest in terms of state relative to computer science with that 91% and we are sixth nationally. Some of you might ask, well, isn't 21, 22 in the rearview mirror? Shouldn't we be at 100%? We're at 91%, we're getting there. So no states even actually uh, achieve full saturation. So we're really striking it well. And some of the other things that we look at as a state, how else can we measure ourselves as it relates to computer science education? There is a, an amazing organization called code.org, if any of you have heard of them. They are uh, started out really as an advocacy group promoting computer science education in K-12 and then have uh, evolved into providing curriculum, but they have a set of policies that they will evaluate each state on to determine how well they're working to advance computer science in K-12. And if you look here across these nine policies, we're, Indiana's killing it in terms of we've got a plan out of the Department of Education with dedicated resources. The legislation that passed back in 2018, with that came $6 million every budget cycle to help pay for uh, teacher training, which was the biggest barrier to having computer science in the classroom is there weren't teachers that were able to teach it. Um, uh, if you take computer science, it can count towards a graduation requirement. It can count, it can satisfy a math requirement. So if you look at that, eight beautiful green circles up there and one ugly red because it is the one thing that the state doesn't do right now is require students to complete a CS course, a foundational CS course, for them to be able to graduate. Well, because we don't require it, right now we're sitting at, yes, 91% of schools offer it, but only 6% of students actually participate in and complete a CS course. So that's a pretty big gap and something needs to happen about that if you truly believe in computer science like we do. And by the end of this, you all will as well. This is why we're particularly proud and excited about one of uh, Holcomb's legislative priorities this session is to make CS a graduation requirement. Uh, it's always already that way in eight different states. We always joked somewhat, but it's also, uh, it hurts a little bit that Arkansas was, has always been the first state to do everything, the first to uh, let it count as a graduation requirement, the first for funding, the first to require it. 
They're also the first state to require it as a graduation requirement. So there are other states that are further ahead of us that we firmly believe with Holcomb's leadership. Um, we had an opportunity to testify be, uh, in front of the House uh, subcommittee. We think that this is actually, it's going to get passed, I won't say easily, but we're fairly confident. And that will then put us in a check mark at all of those nine policies, but and really continue to catapult us, no pun intended, to the top of uh, computer science education. So knowing that students are, are starting to embrace and will uh, continue to further embrace computer science, how does that line up with the opportunity? And these are admittedly statewide numbers, but it gives you a sense of perspective of just the number of open jobs that exist in our state in computing. And we're very liberal with the definition of computing um, and comparing that with the number of graduates. It's uh, I think it's what a 3.6 multiplier where there's just not enough students that are graduating from at least state universities to satisfy the open jobs that are out there. <coughs> Excuse me. So there is opportunity. I didn't have time to pull specific local numbers in terms of how many open jobs there are in computing. It's kind of hard to look across all the SIC codes and pull all that information together easily. But what we do know is that, and I got EREP, is this correct? Did I get the right way to pronounce the acronym? Okay, I worked on that. So EREP, and looking at the annual report and just the strong commitment that there is, I know particularly in life sciences and manufacturing, but with an emphasis on data and computing and uh, information management. So what's happening at the state level is clearly represented here within the Evansville and the Southern Indiana region to demonstrate that there is opportunity and with the commitment of the people in this room, that opportunity is only gonna to continue to grow as employers and industry continues to grow. So let's talk a little bit about Next Tech. We have a couple of fundamental beliefs that uh, aren't necessarily earth shattering, but they're things that we abide by and we hold internally to ourselves. And really, I've been incredibly blessed to be a part of some amazing technology, high growth tech companies throughout my career prior to starting Next Tech. And we, uh, Indiana's not done. I mean, there is still a tremendous amount of growth to happen across the state, and we firmly believe that. We also believe that every student in our core, we believe that every student, every student that's sitting here, every student that's sitting in any classroom has got to have equitable access not just access, but equitable access to the education experiences. We have to remove every possible barrier that it could exist for a student to have those, whether that is there's no teacher trained, great, we're gonna train a teacher. Student wants to do a summer program, don't have transportation, great, we're gonna get you a bus pass. Need a laptop, great, we're gonna get that for you. There's no reason that a student should not be able to participate in computer science education and experiences, and we firmly believe that. And we just so happen to think that computer science is the foundation for that education and for that growth. So much so that this is, <coughs> excuse me, how our mission statement reads is that we want to create equitable access to education experiences for all Indiana students. A couple of the key things that we do to make this happen. One is we are still in the awareness building game. You might be surprised that there are some people that still don't understand what computer science is. Uh, there's decision makers that may not understand what computer science is and how important it is, regardless of what path that a student wants to go down. So we continue to advocate for the importance of that education. Um, we also train teachers. So I'll give you a little bit more data on that. And then we also have these programs that we bring directly to the students. 
So on the teacher side, this is really our heritage. So I mentioned that we launched in 2015. Uh, that first summer, we trained 21 teachers from 11 different schools. Uh, and we recruited those teachers while I was still working at uh, Salesforce. We don't advertise that too much, but we really didn't know what we were doing, to be quite honest. Uh, the co-founder and I were out recruiting teachers that we knew within districts where you know family members went and things to that effect. We have since grown to where we are north of uh, 3,300 unique Indiana educators that have participated in our programs for an average of probably about 22 hours. We have a lot of repeat customers that will go through one program perhaps to learn how to teach a intro to CS class and then they're going to come back and learn how to teach a cyber. Or maybe it's an elementary school teacher that is learning how to integrate computer science lessons into their English language arts class. So across the spectrum of full K-12, we're going to provide an opportunity and meet the teacher where they are so that we can remove that barrier and ensure that equitable access. I mentioned that legislation that happened in 2018. With that came funding, and that was $6 million. Majority of that has been handed over $6 million each budgeting cycle, so we're in our third cycle right now. The DOE, Department of Education, administers the Next Level Computer Science Fund, where they will award out basically contracts to service providers to be able to provide that professional development for teachers. And what I like about this chart is that we are one of kind of five consistent providers that they award contracts to. And you can see from this that uh, we've gotten just over half the dollars, but we've trained three quarters of the teachers. So one of the things that we pride ourselves on is not only the reach of our programs, and the extent to which we can provide the necessary, necessary activities, but the cost at which we do it. We're very efficient in terms of how we provide the training for the teachers. We do some other things as well, it just kind of highlights here, is that one thing is we, we internally have a mantra of hashtag what's next. Because the last thing we want to do is engage with a teacher or a student and then send them on their merry way, and they don't have a place to go back to to either continue their education or get the support that they need and you can see that you know in terms of what's next for teachers we offer one-to-one -one coaching we found a lot where you may have the world's best history teacher been teaching it for 15 years rocking it in the classroom all of a sudden they're tapped to teach computer science and they are lost so we have a program that we set up to be able to give them the coaching they need to be successful in that first year in fact we've got one of our, our person that manages our coaching program is somewhere in the room oh she's hiding down there carrie um and so that's something new that we've really invested in uh, we create professional learning communities just for teachers to come together. We do book studies. I know that we sold out our book study on hidden figures, but it's just a way for us to help the teachers get not only more content to bring back into the classroom and context, but also the confidence that they need to be successful at what they're doing. At Next Tech, we like to think about a student going uh, along a journey. Uh, and our ultimate goal for that journey is that they make a decision to pursue a post-secondary path in some type of computing. Uh, but this is no different than if you're going to make a decision to buy something. You don't wake up one day and just say, I'm going to go buy a $50,000 car. You have to go through a process. So we try to take the students through the same process. The first thing that we want to do is we really want to inspire them. We want to give them that aha moment like, I never realized that there was somebody in technology that uses their creative skills to help create user interfaces and designs, or I never realized that, fill in the blank. And so our biggest way that we do that is through a program called Next Tech Navigate. It is a, we believe the first of its kind, uh, high school student only conference led entirely by industry professionals with breakout sessions that you or I would go to at any normal type of conference where they can do everything from 
uh, hear what a product manager uh, does every day in their career, or they can maybe dive deeper into some technical skills. So this is really our first foray to get that student that's in eighth or ninth grade to go, hmm, never realized that, that's pretty cool. The next thing we want to do is give students an opportunity that as they're starting to develop some of the skills, kind of explore how it can be applied and what an everyday life could look like. Uh, we have a competition, it's a statewide competition called CS for Good, that we invite uh, any school across the state, whether you've had a teacher go through our training or not, we don't care, but we challenge the students to come up with an issue in their community, and it's that broadly defined for them to be able to come up with something, uh, a way that technology could solve it. What I love about this program is we'll have uh, K through five competes, but they will uh, do paper prototypes and they will actually use principles that they're learning in their computer science uh, content areas to apply that to actually come up with a solution for technology. And it's pretty fascinating to see. And this past year, one of my favorite stories, every year there seems to be one app that just stands out this past year, it was a group of students from up near uh, that other city, Lafayette, yes, where Purdue is. Uh, and apparently there's an issue with Asian carp in the Wabash River uh, that are hurting the ecosystem. And they made it to the finals at the State House. They had a chance to meet with Governor Holcomb, explain what their solution was. And Governor Holcomb dropped everything and said, get my uh, rep from the DNR in here. I want him to hear about this and see if this is an app that we should actually be building. So you talk about creating those experiences. And I do know that's a big focus, again, for EREP and just everybody in this community. The more that we can create work-based learning type experiences for students to really see and feel how things work and happen, the better off we're going to be. And then cultivation, that's finally that last step in the process or in the student journey where uh, an individual that has an attitude for computing and for doing this type of technology work and has an attitude to do it, really is getting a chance to shine and kind of build out what their vision for their future is. And for us, that is the Catapult program, which I'll spend the rest of the time talking about. It is a five-week internship that happens here in Evansville. It's for primarily junior or students that are going into their junior or senior year in high school. Uh, like I said, five weeks during the summer. And we do everything from, uh, we basically throw them in the deep end of the tech pool and kind of watch them maybe drown a little bit till they figure out things and then they come out the other end. Does that sound a little bit familiar for what the summer was like? Where we're really, we are gonna challenge them, uh, and I'm gonna go ahead here. We're gonna challenge them on the technical skills because part of what it takes to be successful in a career in technology is grit. If you cannot stand and you don't have that attitude of like, I'm gonna fail, but I'm gonna keep going, you're really not gonna be successful in technology regardless. It doesn't matter if you're in sales or development or, or which part of the organization. So we certainly spend time doing that and they, um, every student finishes the internship with a portfolio that they've actually created from their own source code to be able to show off the work that they've done that summer. That's one piece of what the Catapult experience is like. The next is we do a lot of focus on college and career readiness. Uh, this is also part of the deep end is we make every student present a couple of times. They have to stand up in front of a room of strangers and present their projects. We have competitions and it's helping them to get more comfortable in environments that you and I face every day. Even them joining us today is outside some of their comfort zones, I'm gonna bet, guess. This is not the usual lunch break that they take during the day. 
So we spend a lot of time on that. We also do things like disc assessment to help them understand even what are these things that are unique about me and how would they actually apply to different career opportunities. So we wanna make sure that they're developing that sense of self. Community is a huge one. And I'll, I'll be perfectly honest, when we set out with the Catapult internship, we were so focused on what are those outputs? Okay, how many hours did they spend learning technical skills? How many hours did they spend visiting companies? How many hours doing this, this, this? What we didn't realize was the sense of community and family that came out of this experience, because they're not all from the same school. And we, it's, I literally have goosebumps up here right now, because I'm thinking back to our first group of students that we had in Indianapolis over eight years ago, and the fact that they went to different schools and they're still friends today, and they still have each other's peers, and that would not have happened without the community that organic, there's too many microphones up here, but the community that organically happens and grows out of the catapult experience. And then the last piece, and again, this is a big part of why uh, they're here today and why we wanna lean into this community, this Rotary community. This experience, this internship does not work without industry. Uh, I often joke that nothing against Jill, who is our program manager or our site leaders down here, but sorry, Jill, we're a couple of middle-aged white women that don't necessarily live and work in the tech world right now. There's only so much we can tell them and show them. So we have to be able to bring them into where the tech jobs are happening. We have to bring those that are doing those to the students and help them build not only a sense of community and connections in the tech ecosystem, but really for them to start to say, you know what, I see a place for me. In Evansville, I've been to visit Centerpoint, I've been to Crane, which I know is further north, but I've been to visit, uh, hopefully Boston Scientific this uh, summer if we've got people in the room, do my little plug there. Um, but it's only because of that industry connections and those relationships that they start to really go, okay, there is some place for me and I can make this all happen in my own backyard. So it's a critical, critical part of the internship. You know, we can talk about outputs and outcomes all day and I, I live and breathe by them, I love them, but the best part of it are really the words of the students. So uh, Krista King is one of the individuals and, that went through the program and she is, probably her words epitomize that ideal experience that we want for a student that goes through Catapult where they really start to develop a sense of self and see a place for them inside of this opportunity. Um, what's funny is uh, I was reading through the EREP annual report, as I, I think I mentioned that, and there was a quote in there from a young gal whose last name was Polk, that's all I remember. But I, I read her words and her experiences and it's the same. I mean, one thing I wanna stress is that this community has done an amazing job of leaning into what the high school experience looks like for students and thinking about uh, I know, and even before that, I know JobSpark, I think, is down here now, which I was a part of the original JobSpark at Indy. I know that there were, I think, 10 different work-based learning experiences introduced last year. There's the apprenticeship program. We embrace all of that, and we look at Catapult and what we're doing as just an extension or a complement to what's happening. It's another piece of the puzzle for that student that wants to go down a pathway towards a career in tech. We look at Catapult as just one of the stepping stones. And I think Krista's words, Krista's words up there uh, really can speak to it better than I ever could. I mentioned that when I was talking about industry connections, none of this would be possible without the support of the community. Uh, I would need a bigger slide if I listed the name of every single individual that came and spoke to our uh, students over the summer. But for now, I do want to make sure that I acknowledge the companies that are uh, up here. 
that have provided either financial support in the terms of grants or different investments or in-kind support through the use of physical space and things to that effect. I hope that this time next year or two years from now that I've got 50 logos up here. I mean, that's really the goal because the other thing is that this isn't our program. We, we created a little kind of framework of what we want a catapult to be. This is Evansville's program and whatever it becomes and however big it becomes is up to the people in this room, the logos on this slide. So I, I can't stress that enough that we wanna walk alongside the community and continue to expand this program so it works for what Evansville needs it to do for them. I think it's not uh, that people don't think computer science is important. I think it's that they don't have an understanding of what we're really talking about. And I will, uh, I'll share this quote from a state representative whose name I will not say, but as I was testifying uh, last week or the week before, he said, I don't get this. Like I walk into a Kroger and there's a two-year-old that's mastered the iPad. What more do we have to teach them? So there are still things, I mean, by the giggles, like there's people that don't understand that we need to teach students how to use technology to create solutions and to be more effective. Computer science, how I like to describe it, is writing a set of instructions to make a computer do what you want it to do. So whether that's to be more effective at your job, to create a, maybe it's, I wanna write a set of instructions to look at a big set of data to look for patterns of information. That's what computers, is that a good definition, kids? Look at them to see. Or maybe I wanna write a set of instructions so that if somebody answers a bunch of questions on a survey, I can provide an output that says, you might wanna go see a doctor because you have symptoms that support this. So it's literally using the power of technology so that you can write those instructions to get the power out of the technology and make the computer do something for you. Uh, computer science is extremely broad in the context of what you're saying. There's like business IT, there's data science, there's a whole area of computer science where it's not even technical, it's being a business analyst and communicate between stakeholders and technical people. What is the breadth, or do you, do you actually kind of A, look at the job market and you know, what, what's kind of the different types of things and then have people kind of look at what, some people aren't really geeky, some people are more, they're just good communicators. Do you kind of steer people in, into more categories or is it just computer science as a general thing? So uh, that's a great question and there's a couple layers I'll answer. One, when we're talking about computer science in the classroom, it really is more teaching them about the principles of computer science and problem solving, critical thinking, uh, logical, reasonal thinking. So that's in the classroom. In our summer programs, we actually intentionally try to expose them to as many of those facets because you know, I, I use the examples that if you're really good, uh, if you're the person on the team that's always keeping everybody on task, there is a job as a project manager waiting for you. If you're the creative artsy one, you should be a user experience, user design. So what we try to do in the summer programs and even all of our student programs is expose the students to that wide array of jobs, help them understand what skills they have and how they align up to those jobs. And some of my best stories are the people that came in and said, I was gonna be a video game designer because 10 years ago, that's what all the kids wanted to be. They went through it, learned about what UI UX was, and now they've finished their degree at Purdue and they're actually working as a UI UX engineer. So that's, we want them to understand the breadth and depth. Just kidding. Well, a little bit of a follow-up to Jim's question. Uh, with the push to uh, make uh, computer science a required curriculum for graduation, 
Uh, I assume there's some thought or, uh, or some input that's gone into a standardized curriculum of some sort for that, or at least minimum standards for the curriculum. Can you give us a little bit of an idea of what that might look like? Yeah, so one of the policies that code.org uh, laid out is full comprehensive standards for computer science from K, all the way from K-12 or through K-12. So those standards are already in place. What the uh, thought is for the required course is what they're calling a foundational computer science course. So it would be grounded in algorithms, but there would be a larger percentage of it that is also uh, elements of coding. So it's the application of the principles. Uh, so there is a definition out there and uh, there's probably, I think there's about six or seven course codes that actually would satisfy a foundational course. But don't quote me on any of that. That's, but, but it is being thought of at the, at the Department of Education level. Well, I think that the first thing to acknowledge is that AI is computer science. I mean, every, so uh, cybersecurity, which was the, the hot topic, you know, three years ago, that is computer science. So it's all just evolution of the principles of computer science. So I think what AI is going to do, and this is purely my uneducated opinion, if you will, is AI, the output is only as good as the input. So if I am not trained to ask the right questions or to challenge the responses that come back, AI is not going to do had any value for me. And uh, so I think that's, it's just going to be another layer, another thing of when you're teaching computer science, it's teaching that critical thinking and how do you write that set of instructions. AI just challenges that in a different way. And so the example that I used was that I, I was trying to come up with a formula that looked at some investments and if I put in more money at a certain time, because I couldn't find what I wanted on the internet. So I worked with ChatGPT and I said, I want a formula that does this. It gave me a formula, I tested it, and it was wrong. And I said, that's not right. I said, you forgot to take into account this variable. And it, literally Chat said, you're right, add this. And so we went back and forth like three or four times and then I got the right formula. So that's the principles of computer science at its finest. It's like I wrote a set of instructions, I got an answer, it wasn't the right one, so I rewrote the instructions. So it's just thinking about how to engage with that technology. You think to do, or you trust the output. I mean, that's, that's part of it. And here's Brian. From what I, my knowledge of computer science and going all the way back to like Ada Lovelace, who considered to be one of the first computer scientists, not just female, the principles of computer science are never going to change. And so I think that's something that we can anchor ourselves into is that all that's going to change is the application of computer science. So, and I think also when you get into like quantum data, big data, machine learning, you're, you're beyond the scope of a high school education anyway. So I don't know if it's going to have a material impact on what we do with the students, other than it's just going to open up new career paths for them ultimately when they graduate. Well, and it's true. There was a stat that was we used early on that was like 66% of the jobs that these kids will have or 10 years from now don't exist. I bet that number's probably higher. I mean, it, it's only, it's only going to get bigger. I have a question as a performing artist, and it totally concerned me when I talk to young people, and they're staring down at their phones, not able to make eye contact. I am thrilled that you have these young people here that they're going to have to come talk to us. Oh, you better, yes. Where is that line that if you tell them the answers in this science, they're losing? After COVID, where they all had to study online, the human interaction, what are you doing with your program to insist that that is first and foremost, not a screen, but the person next to them? 
laptop slids down type, type mentality when we're in the classroom, when we're learning. Uh, there's so much focus put on the interpersonal communication and engagement from day one and simple things like icebreakers to a lot of our community building comes in just fun, whether it's doing uh, whatever that escape room type thing is or going for walks. So things that your, tech, your phone's not allowed. And the other thing is that we do, uh, anytime we put these students in front of industry, there is intentional time spent where the students have to prep. And the industry folks are always amazed, I would say 99% with the questions that they get asked. So we are very intentional about how do we prepare them to be able to go into those types of engagements. And I, uh, I would like everybody to at least talk to one student. We should have given them a homework assignment, but we didn't, we'll do that next time. Um, so it, there's only so much we can do in the five weeks that we have them, but we, we try to be very intentional with those five weeks and get them. And you know, I think I mentioned earlier, we like to make them present. That's scary. Like it's scary for some 50 year old people. Imagine trying to make 16, 17 year old students do this, but they learn from it and they get better and they get more confident and they understand the value of eye contact and enunciation and conversation. <laughs> well, John, do you happen to have any grandchildren, John? I would honest, I mean, I, you, I'm not joking, but like they are, have them get you connected on Facebook because that's what people, you guys still know how to get onto Facebook, right? They may not use it, but I think they know how to get on. But no, I'm not kidding. There are actually, I'm sure there are programs in Evansville too where intended to be community outreach to help the older generation uh, become comfortable because it's a great uh, communication, a way to stay connected to your family. There are things out there, so, um, but I'm not kidding, ask your grandkids and be careful, they may not they may not stop, so. I don't give up very easily, but I just have a lot of problems with these things. For some reason, when I order on the internet quite a, quite a number of times, I've seen her twice. I don't <laughs> All right, John. John, we've got two gentlemen, young gentlemen that are gonna to talk to you afterwards. You have to look at the psychology of students and, what, and how they think about careers. And there are studies that show that by the time a student gets to about seventh grade, they're already cemented in their mind what they're not going to do. So it's not necessarily they know what they want to do, but they know what they don't want to do. And so if they've already turned off their mind to a career in technology because of all this, mostly stereotypes, either I'm not smart enough at math to do it, or I'm a female, or I'm a person of color. And it's just, I'm summarizing greatly, but that's, those are the stereotypes that are still true. And so I think what happens is if we don't get them hooked soon enough, there's not a lot of students that are gonna walk in their freshman day, year, freshman day of high school and say, yeah, let me take that computer science course because it still has the same stereotypes it did. So I, I, that's why I hate to say it, that hopefully, I mean, part of what we do is we, we count on these students to be ambassadors back to their schools to talk to the, the classmates that maybe aren't doing this. But by having students required to take it, you'll see an uptake in the understanding and appreciation of it. Thank you for joining us for this week's program. Make it a great week.